0: Why don't open you your Bible with me and uh, open up to John chapter 17, John chapter 17. And uh, welcome those who are watching online. I know God's going to touch you and bless you through this message. And uh, I know you want to take some notes and uh, get hold of the scriptures. And uh, God is going to speak some things into your heart today. Amen. Okay, John chapter 17. I want to just call the message, you could call it a number of ways. I want to call it accident or assignment, accident or assignment. And I want to ask this question, is your life an accident Or are you a person on assignment? The way you think about your life will affect the way you live your life. If I was to ask you this question, what would you do differently if you believed God had sent you into the community, workplace, or family that you're a part of? If you really in your heart believe this is not by accident I'm here, I have actually been sent here. That would change how you did life. Thinking, I'm not here because this is a job or this is where I happen to be or just my luck or my bad luck or this is an accident or mistake. None of those things. If you knew and believed in your heart, God has sent me, how would it change the way you live your life? If you knew God had sent you to be part of this church, how would it affect the way you participate? If you knew you were sent... We're gonna look at that uh, uh, as we go through uh, a, a few things. Throughout the Bible, God sends people. With God, there's never any accidents. He works carefully by design. He has thought through the whole of the history of mankind of how he could make himself known. There's not one detail he did not think about. And the more you study the Bible, the more you realize how God's plan unveils little by little, every part connecting to the other part. Just because you can't see the connection doesn't mean it isn't there. just means you don't see it. But wherever there has been a need in history, God always sends a person. Many people who don't understand God think, well, if God is powerful, why does he allow this? Why does he allow that? Well, he allows many things because he has given man authority to make decisions And when you have authority to make decisions, you must live with the consequences. If you make bad decisions, there are bad consequences. So if God wants to do something about the situation, which he always does, he doesn't just come down out of heaven. He sends a person. He sends a person. So God has chosen to limit himself to work through people. So whenever there is a need, God is looking and has already prepared someone to send. Someone to send. We tend to think of thing just being special people, but you see the pattern all through the Bible. You know, when Moses, where there was such a need for Israel to be delivered, God didn't just come down and do miracles. God spoke to Moses, I will send you. When there was a need uh, in, uh, in the days of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah got a revelation of God speaking, and this is what he heard, who shall I send? That's still what God says, Who can I send? Who will we send to speak on our behalf? So don't look and say, well, where is God? Look and say, where are you? Where are the people that God wants to send? What are they doing? Are they responding or are they in hiding? Or are they absent without leave? Think about it. That's, this, is the, this is the real, all through the Bible, people sent people. In Jeremiah, God spoke to him and said, Jeremiah, before you were born, while you were even, before you were even shaped in the womb, I knew you and I commissioned or appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, in that passage is tremendous revelation that God's assignment begins before we began. Before you came into the earth, God already knew and had an assignment prepared for you. In other words, when you arrived, you were no accident. Maybe a surprise to some people. Lots of surprises. Well, we never expected to get pregnant. That was a bit of a surprise. But not an accident. Sent by God. Sent into this world for a purpose. If you don't live with purpose, you waste opportunities. You'll squander opportunities And you won't live like God intended to live as a person who's part of a bigger plan. And you are to bring something into this world that will be carried by the next generation. It's tragic to see how many people today don't think about the next generation. Just want to spend everything now and just do what I want now. And they're not thinking about the legacy that will be carried on, which is how God works. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God who starts something in one generation so big it can't be filled by that generation. It has to be carried on by the next one and then the next one. That's how God works. We're corrupted by world thinking. We need biblical perspective. God is intergenerational, multi-generation, and whatever assignment he gives you, he intends someone else to pick it up and carry it on. Did you impart anything to anyone for them to carry on or get to the end of your life and say, I survived it? That's that's not God's way. When John the Baptist arrived, it says of John, John chapter 1, verse 6, John, a man sent by God. There was a need to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, so God sent a man. Jesus, when he stood up, Announced in Luke 4 verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has sent me. Anointings come for commissioning to do something. We hunger for anointing, presence, and so on. This is great to hunger for more and more of God, but it is always about fulfilling an assignment. And you and I need to discover that. I want to share a few things about that today. And we're going to start with Jesus' assignment, and we look in John chapter 17, where Jesus has come, and he's at the end of his earthly ministry. He spent 30 years in preparation, then three years in ministry, and then he came to the end of it. And he said, notice he says in verse 4, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Verse 6 I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. This is amazing. I've glorified you on earth. I finished the work which you have given me to do. Very, very powerful. Notice here, Jesus talks like a man with an assignment that has just been finished or about to finish. So Jesus lived his whole life conscious that he's a person who is sent. What is an assignment? Assignment is a specific task or responsibility entrusted to you to fulfill on behalf of another. I'll say that again. An assignment is a specific task or responsibility which has been entrusted to you and you need to fulfill it. It's entrusted to you by someone who will stand behind you in your fulfilling of that assignment but then we will also call you to give account whether you fulfilled it. Very quite sobering thoughts. If your life is here by accident, then God is an addition. Come and help me. I need your help. Help me with this. Help me with that. Help me with this. That's living like an orphan. If we live like a son, we realize God is helping us. He is ever with us but what counts is that we discover our assignment and fulfill it. So Jesus said, I finished the work you gave me to do. Notice he had a great sense that God had given me something to do. We need to understand, don't copy someone else because God doesn't want you to be a copy, he wants you to be an original. He wants you to be original because he has something for you to accomplish that only you can do. It's unique to you. So Jesus was very clear that he had an assignment. He was very clear what his assignment was. He was actually clear where he was sent. In Matthew chapter 15, it tells us, Matthew 15 verse 24, he said, when the Gentile woman came to him wanting a miracle, he said, but I've been sent only to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. I know who I'm sent to. In other words, I confine my ministry to my assignment. Paul said, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. Even though he's highly qualified and one of the most qualified Jews around, he said, I know who I'm sent to. I'm not sent to them. I'm sent to, I love them. I really want to help them, but I'm sent to the Gentiles. In other words, he was very aware that his assignment was to a specific group of people, not to everyone. He's all very well to say everyone. God sends you to everyone. He doesn't send you to everyone. He sends you to specific people. And it's specific because it's something only you can fulfill. That's why it's specific. Jesus knew who he was called to go to, he understood what he was expected to do. Many times he said, I've been sent to seek and save that which is lost. I come to destroy the works of the devil. Come to serve, to give my life, not to take life. See, Jesus was very clear what he was called to do, he knew he had an assignment. He knew he had a limited time. He knew who he was called to do and what he was called to do. That's a very powerful way of living your life. When you live like that, highly focused, you don't get carried away and waste your money, time, and talents. You pour it where it's going to count. Interesting, and this will help you if you're a young person, Jesus had embraced his assignment by the time he was 12. By the time he was 12, he understood fully what he was called to do. And so Luke 2.49 says his parents found him in the uh, temple, and he said, don't you understand? I must be about my father's business. He had more understanding of his assignment than his parents did. Lots of things we could say, but just it's suffice to say that at 12, he committed himself to the learning process in the local church to grow and be made ready for his assignment. So there's... One of the things that's really challenged me to think about is to look at how God prepared Jesus in that 30 years you don't read anything about, but it was an intentional preparation. So what did Jesus do? John 17 verse 6, it said, I manifested your name to the men you gave me out of the world. So what did Jesus do? A number of things. Uh, When you read language like that, it's a little hard to get what it is. So let me just put it really simple in simple language so you really understand it. God has always desired to make himself known in the earth. His plan is to fill the earth with his glory. But don't just think shimmering lights. What God wants to do is make his goodness and kindness and loving nature manifest visibly in the earth. So Jesus came to manifest how loving, how kind, how generous, how extravagant, how good God is. He came to reveal the goodness of God, not to judge people. I did not come to judge people. I come to heal them, restore them, save them. So if you look at Jesus' ministry, firstly, it was the demonstration of what God is like. He said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. In other words, his life reflected that God is loving and kind. So if people mentioned your name, would the words loving and kind and generous come to mind? Or, a bit snippy. She's got to watch that person. They never know what they're going to do. You know, think about that. So, so the first thing he came to do was just make known to people God is loving and kind and generous, someone who'll engage with your life and minister to needs no one else can minister to. Second thing Jesus came to do was to extend the kingdom of His Father in the earth. So his message all the way was the kingdom of God. And then he demonstrated what that looked like. He healed the sick and delivered those in bondage. So there's two things that Jesus came to do. He came to reveal how kind and loving God is and showed this generosity in the ultimate way by giving his life on the cross. And then secondly, he demonstrated and expanded the kingdom of his father. His message was there is a kingdom, another kingdom called the kingdom of heaven. It's available through repentance and then all kinds of manifestations of power and authority come as you are connected back to Father and to his kingdom. And here's the thing, third thing. The third thing he came to do is to model what kind of life we would live. That's the bit people don't get. We look at other Christians and become critical or judgmental or we become discouraged, or we use it as an excuse, saying they're a hypocrite. But you're not called to look at other Christians as your model. We're called to look at Jesus Christ, who is the pattern of how the Father and the Son work together. The Son receives His identity from His Father. The Son receives provision from His Father. The Son receives uh, everything He needs from His Father. The father in return is connected to the son because the son reveals and brings honor to the father through his life. So God wants to bring you into sonship so you can reveal and make his name honored all through the earth. But when people see Christians, often they don't honor God because they don't see the goodness of God in them. They see meanness, spitefulness, negativity, critical, gossip, all those kind of things. That is not revealing our Father. That is actually sabotaging people's opportunity to come to Him. Oh, you all got quiet today, come on. <laughs> I know you're listening. This is stuff that God, God has really been speaking to me in these things in, in this recent time, see? so, So Jesus, in order to fulfill His assignment, needed to constantly be intimate with the Father. So being intimate with God, He's not just about having a great time. Being intimate with God is an essential function to being able to extend what he wants to do. How do you know how what your assignment is if you don't talk with God? If you're not listening to him and getting direction from him, you'll be listening to the world and all its pressures and be under stress and anxiety. That's why Jesus said, if you'll just seek first God's kingdom and walking rightly with him, you don't have to worry. Everything will be provided for you. It'll start to spring into your life. Okay, All right then, so, so people look and they say, well, that's Jesus, you know, Jesus was extra special. No, no, Jesus was the model of what God intended for you and me. Oh, and that's quite a step, isn't it? But in Ephesians 2 verse 10, Ephesians 2, verse 10 the Bible makes it very clear God has an assignment for every person. God has an assignment for every person. If you are here, God has a unique assignment for you. The church's role, one of the primary roles of the church, is to provide a culture and environment where you can grow and mature and discover and explore and begin to be launched into the assignment God has for you. Most of our assignments are not within the house. They're outside in the world. When the church becomes the limit of what God is doing, then we totally miss the greatness of God's glory, which he extends to go out through the earth. Most of Jesus' miracles were done outside the church. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So notice there, number one, you're not a mistake. You're not a mistake, because before you arrive, God planned something for you. You are not a mistake. Tell someone, you're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You may have made mistakes, but you are not a mistake. That's to do with identity, see? That's the first thing you see there. The second thing is, you're not a mistake. You're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. I mean, the whole human body is a masterpiece, but you're quite a unique masterpiece. You have unique eyes. You have unique uh, fingerprints, a unique DNA. Everything about you is unique. Doesn't that shout a message? You are unique. In other words, God see, God uses the natural things to help us understand spiritual things we wouldn't be aware of. So written in the natural world is revelation of all God's outworking. So at least when you look at a body, human body, there is nothing about you that's the same as someone else, their general forms and function. You're unique. You're absolutely unique. We can't make another one. But you can reproduce and produce people like you spiritually and naturally so you notice our kids they all carry some of our likeness you can't mistake them there is a likeness and that's intentional even that's intentional because God had in mind that he would reproduce his likeness in us and that we in turn would expand and fill the earth with people in his likeness Amazing, just amazing what God is doing. Notice you're a masterpiece, And notice there it says, work's prepared for you. God has prepared something for you. So I wish I knew what it was. Well, that's your responsibility. It's a big question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? What should I do? Only God can answer it. It's only out of a relationship with God and exploring your uniqueness that you will discover the answer to that. Your assignment is always connected to the unique passions, abilities, desires, giftings that God has given you. See, so that's why you can't find it by asking someone, what should I do? Or copying someone else. You've got to discover how you're wired. That's one of the keys. And the other is revelation. Listening to God, reading in his word, discovering the pattern, you begin to see that what God had in mind for Jesus He has in mind for me, but it'll be expressed uniquely. That's why Jesus said, the works I do, and even, why? Because he's only one person in one place. But what he had in mind was to multiply it right through the earth. But you've got to grasp that and then realize, whoa, I need to get fired up here. I need to get moving here. God's talking me. He's calling me. I need to do something, see? So I need to embrace the assignment. Now here's the thing about assignments. Assignments grow and unfold as you fulfill them. It's like a it's like a scroll. Ever seen a scroll? Scroll is all wrapped up. But if you unravel it and read the first bit, then it don't, it's like a piece of toilet paper. Just keep going and going and going. And away it goes. And so your, your life, your destiny, what God has called you to do, he has written on a scroll in heaven unique to you, and he put the imprint of it inside you. It's your job to discover it. And it doesn't unravel so you see the whole thing from start to finish. It unravels little by little as you journey it. Some people, they can't say, I don't know, where am I going? What's my life? They can't answer anything because they're not even started. Unless you start serving God and walking with Him and embracing I'm called and starting to grow in Him and learn from Him and embrace it, you'll never see what you were called for until you get to heaven and they bring it out and God says, this is what I had for you and you realize barely one inch has been opened up. This was all I had for you. It was so big. It was well beyond what you could have thought. But you let the world limit you and make you small instead of believing what I had for you was bigger than you and couldn't even be done in your lifetime. Think about it. What God spoke to Abraham could not be done in his lifetime. It took generations to outwork it why would that be different for you? What God called Jesus to do could not be totally fulfilled in his lifetime. It had to be imparted to others to carry on. It went beyond his lifetime. Jesus' assignment has now been entrusted to the church. In other words, this is the pattern always with God. The vision of God is bigger than you and you're only got to carry a part of it and ensure it goes on to the next generation. And then they carry it and make it bigger than you. Oh. No wonder the devil attacks families. He wants to shut down assignments so they never come to fulfillment. Hey, you quiet today. You're taking, <laughs> I know you're all thinking about this stuff. Hey. So... So, what are the things I need to know about my assignment? Well, you, you find them. They're kind of simple. I thought, how did I not see all of this stuff before? And uh, but no, I guess we're growing. We're still learning. It's still unraveling, isn't it? Bible's still something new you can learn all the time. Let's read in Genesis chapter two. Go right back to the beginning, and you say something. We're going to discover a few things about assignment. I need to move on here. Genesis chapter two and verse eight. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And again in verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Now there's a lot in all of these things. I'll just bring out a few simple things. And uh, first, you notice that God prepared a garden or a territory. It wasn't the whole world, although God intended that through man the whole earth would be filled with His glory. God gave him just a piece, just like God gives you and me just a piece. He gives you a territory. So firstly, thing about your assignment, your assignment is a territory. It's a location, a place, and it also includes people. So there are people you will meet in your life I'll never ever meet. These become part of your territory. You can understand if we think that what God is doing is just in a church building, man, we have so limited God. God's Work is through you to the territory that he has assigned you. Whoa, getting a thing. So it's also people, people for you to connect with and to influence. We'll touch on that a bit more. Uh, Thirdly, it's unique. It's unique because you're the only one that's got that opportunity. And it's unique because God needs you with your gifts and makeup to make it happen. That's why he put you there. And so then the next thing is that God commissions you. Now, what does that mean? See, God always commissions people. Now, that's a big thing. Now, you've got to decide, am I an accident, and everything around me an accident or a coincidence, or have I been commissioned by God? To be commissioned means to be entrusted with a mission to fulfill and to be backed up with all the resources of heaven to do it. You never give someone a mission and then say, sorry, I can't finance this one. You better put out a little gala and see if you can fund the mission. It's not like that with God. He's got all the resources possible. So if he gives you an assignment or a mission, he he is going to be with you in it because you're representing him. If you're an orphan and just doing your own thing, well, then you've got a big problem because you've got to worry how it's all going to come in. But if you are on assignment from your father, he has sent you to get something done. He, gonna, Daddy's going to provide the money. Everyone knows that. This is a mean, miserable, poor dad, you know. Then he's not going to send you anywhere. He's going to be looking out for himself. But our Father sends people. In, in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 and 15, it says, Jesus called those to himself who he'd chosen to be with them. And he said he chose them, listen to this, that they might be with him, that he might send them. And the word send is the word apostello, send. And then we get the word apostolic. Of course, it doesn't translate very well, but that word send. In other words, Jesus brings us into relationship that he might send us to represent the Father. That's the point of the relationship. It's not just so you can enjoy the relationship. It's about being fruitful you get married, not just to get married. Great, we can have sex any time. Alone, that's wonderful. It's more than that. It's actually about children as well. It's about family. It's about bringing up another generation. See, so with God, see, natural things, you can understand spiritual things because so they're all written there. First the natural and the spiritual. Things about God are seen in nature. So you see, parent people get married, they have children. So God has an assignment for you. It says he... He called them to himself that he might send them. Send. And the Roman, the, the, the Roman understanding of apostello is this. It means simply to commission someone to go as the representative of Rome, go into a territory that's full of hostiles and rout the hostiles, overcome them, put them to flight, and then establish the culture and values and ways of Rome so people are loyal to Rome. That's what that means. So when it says that Jesus commissioned the disciples or apostolically sent them, then what it is meaning is I'm sending you into a world, into territory where there are demonic spirits, whole people bound, afflict and influence to, uh, cities and nations and, and, and groups, tribes, peoples, whatever. I'm sending you to a place where there are real hostile enemies. However, I will back you up. Yeah. You will rout the enemies and then you'll establish the culture of heaven in the earth—a culture of generosity, a culture of kindness, a culture of honor, a culture that values people, a culture that is intergenerational and multigenerational, a culture where there's prosperity. Yeah. Get in the picture. Yeah. That's what Jesus had in mind. Not go hook someone out, get in prayer, a sinner's prayer, and go to heaven, and the rest do like the rest of their life. It's not that at all. It's actually establishing a culture in the person's life, in the marriage, in the family, in the home, in the church, in the community. That's what he had in mind. So if you're a Christian, then God sends you. He sends sons and daughters to represent him. So Jesus said in John chapter 21, verse 20, as the father sent me, apostolically sent me, now I'm sending you. So Jesus said, I finished my bit. Now your chance to, your time is to carry on. So I am commissioning you. Commissioning means I put on you a command. The command is to go make disciples of all nations. Not a suge- I've got a suggestion, guys. Man, it's really been a painful thing, this resurrection. I'm all ready to go to heaven. Now I'm done, my dash. You know, guys, go out and see if you can make a difference. It wasn't like that. He said, no. I have done all that is necessary for you to be restored as sons and daughters of the living God to now go and represent Him, showing His kindness, His goodness, and demonstrating His authority and power. But you can't go till the Holy Ghost comes on you because you need the anointing of the Spirit, just like I did. But I'm sending you, I'm commissioning you. That means I'm putting on you a responsibility. That's a word that people find hard to take. Responsibility means I am accountable to someone to complete the task. You can never grow without taking responsibility. So when you're born again, the Bible calls us spiritual babes, and the role of the church is to teach, disciple, instruct, so you grow up and can carry responsibility. If you can't carry responsibility, you are called Irresponsible. Responsible? Irresponsible. Where do you fit? Some people are irresponsible with their money. That means they're, they're launch, they go from crisis to crisis. Some people are irresponsible with their body and they suffer bad health. You are called to be responsible. The mindset of the world, the orphan mindset, is that of a victim. I can't do anything, I've had such a bad time, I need you to come through for me. That mindset is an orphan mindset. It's not a sonship mindset where God says, you're a son, I provide everything for you, now stand up and take some responsibility on your life. Stop blaming everyone, stop being negative, start to believe I am good and I'm with you and nothing will I hold back from you. No good gift will our Father withhold from us. Quite a bit of a thinking, isn't it, eh? (laughs) So you look there in Genesis verse 15. He put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. So in other words, he gave him some clear responsibilities. So let me ask you, first of all, where is the territory God placed you and then what you're required to do in it? So I'll give you some things on the territory. First of all, your territory is firstly your own personal life. Your life is your territory. Now, your mind is a territory. And for many people, their mind is a scary territory. (laughs) There is weird stuff camped there. And it's been there a long, long time. Bible calls them strongholds. So when he spoke to the people of Israel, he said this. He said, go in and possess the land. I am with you. I will drive your enemies out before you. Then he says, Exodus 23, about verse 30, said, you will drive them out. In other words, you are responsible to believe I am with you and engage the enemy and dispossess it. So if you've got problems from your background, problems from your past, all kinds of junk, that's your responsibility to drive it out and build a different culture in your life. Your responsibility. Don't be like a victim blaming everyone else. Take responsibility. If you have got stuff, it's your stuff. First step to getting free is to say, I got stuff camped in my head. I got lots of stuff in my heart too. Got a little bit of anger there, a bit of lust there, a bit of emotions there, a bit of all kinds of stuff. It's your stuff. Drive it out. God says, I've given the land to you. Go possess it. Little by little you do it. In other words, it's a process Never just about come up the and altar, get a quickie prayer. You can have an encounter that shifts things, but you have to process the growing part. Renewing the mind, renewing your thoughts, renewing your responses. That's what caused you to become mature, become a son, become like your father, and begin to behave differently. Because you're only going to behave the way you were raised. And it's going to take transformation In your mind, if we renew our mind, then we become transformed in our living. We are responsible to deal with the wounds in our heart, the issues in our background, and become responsible. It's your life. You are responsible for that garden. That's number one garden. Don't be busy about someone else in the church. They've got their own problems to solve. You know, you be busy about yourself. Get on to your stuff. And don't accept... That this is what I am. But this is who I am. I'm Irish. That's why we're always drinking. Now listen, you know, don't go down that route. That's just an excuse for bad behavior. Deal with the route. Deal with the stuff. Rebuild your life. Become filled with the Holy Ghost instead. So now I'm a drunkard. I love to drink. Full of the Holy Ghost. See, it's your job to get full of the Holy Ghost. We just provide an environment it can happen. It's your job to get filled and stay filled, not be filled with meanness and bitterness and anger and injustice and offenses. We live in a world full of offenses. Everyone gets offended. Get hurt. I'm hurt by what you said. Listen, get over yourself. Deal with your hurt. Get rid of your hurt. Forget about it. they got an opinion. they got an opinion. Don't worry about it. Get on with your life. Make your Father in heaven your reference point. Second thing is your family. Your family. Whoa. Well, now, here's the question. Were you born by accident into that destructive, horrible, dysfunctional family? (laughs) Oh, you weren't. It wasn't an accident then. Maybe it was for your parents, but not for God. See, I want to establish that at the beginning, not for God. Now, here, get this. If you came from a destructive, dysfunctional family, which so many have. That's the problem. So many have you will be carrying dysfunctional ways of thinking and living. Now, here is your assignment. Bring an end to that pattern in your family. Be the first of a new generation that lives differently, behaves differently, and walks in God's ways. Don't look back and say, so bad, what happened to me? You should feel sorry for me. No, I'm not feeling sorry for you. Because I know that's the place God assigned you to display his goodness and display his power to overcome those things. I, got, I thought it's quite a revelation that. Most, most people can barely get over their family background. They try and pretend it never happened and, and just walk away. But it just follows you everywhere. And the next thing you know, you're in counseling and, and the junk in the marriage is the same from your family. You know, It's like that everywhere. I go everywhere I find the same stuff. And people did not realize one assignment God had is to bring an end to the destructive pattern in the family line and introduce a whole new legacy for the next generation. Well, we've done our best to do that. We keep working at it. Lots of ways you can do that, but you have to invest. And Jesus, the two words given to him were to cultivate and protect cultivate and protect so that's your family of origin well some of you are part of a new family now so now in the new family you've also got a responsibility there if you're a husband lead the family that's your responsibility if you quit on that oh, you don't understand my father was a very passive he was this and he was that and my mum, she ran the home you know listen it may well be so but that is your assignment to change that and put something different in place Build a godly family where the father prays, loves his wife, invests in the family, and leads a family. Build something different. If you read in Isaiah where Jesus quoted from and he said about the anointing for his ministry, he said, the spirit of the Lord anointed me, you know, to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, so on and so forth, that they, they, that's the ones who have been healed and delivered, might be repairers of the desolation of generations. Wow. In other words, God never does anything just by chance. It's always by design. His love is so great when he sees the desolation of generations, he sees the tragedies from one generation of a family to the next. He says, I need to bring someone there who'll stop all this. And he called you to bring an end to it And introduce a new culture that your children will carry. And they'll look back and they say, we can't believe it was that bad in the past. It's so different here for us. We're assigned into a church family. In the church family, we're assigned there as a place to grow. So grow. Participate. Connect. Be teachable. Be open to someone input to your life. Get involved serving where you can grow and learn to be responsible. Can anyone lean on you to get the job done? And if they can't, oh, I can't come. I've got a bit of a snivel today. Now listen, that's just nonsense. That's just child nonsense. That's what we used to say at home with little kids. I want to go to school today. I want a bit of a headache, I want a bit of a cold. Mum would, ta- would never take any notice of that. Now you get it. Get dressed. Get off to school. But we think we can do it in church. And you think that honors God. What weirdness is that? And it's just so weird. We're to live a life that reveals the goodness of God and the power of God to overcome the issues of life. Oh, stop complaining. Start overcoming. Start finding out how, I don't know how to overcome. Good. Now you're asking the right question. You see, how do I overcome? So you have an assignment. Are we getting the message now? You have an assignment. Now we have an info. No, I'll just give you a couple. If you've got a job. Your job is an assignment from you know. You think, oh, I got this bad job. I don't like the job. Just wait for you to get another one. No, no, no. God sent you there. Complete your assignment, then you get the other one. I hear people moan and groan. Haven't got any work. Haven't got anything. Well, listen. If you haven't got a job, go do some work for someone free, and do a good job so you're sowing, and God can promote you. God does not promote shirkers and lazy people. There are no lazy people in the Bible ever used by God. Why? Because they won't be responsible. God requires we be responsible. He requires it. Why does he require it? Because he's like a father committed to the kids to grow. If the kids are irresponsible, you've got to have some consequences. Is that right? You know that. You just know that. You know, some of them can't spend their money. They just blow the The dough. It just blows. You you can't entrust money to them because they're all going to be blown until they learn how to save and work with the money properly and start to build a future with finance. Your finances, by the way, are part of your assignment too. Oh, oh, oh. So you may have something to give to those who are really in need. Oh, that's why I need to prosper. Oh, it's getting a bit tough, isn't it, eh? <laughs> then, I guess I'll give you a little, one other dimension to your assignment. That is, It's wherever you go, you are the ambassador. And God will bring you to people, and that'll be your assignment. You'll just drop you in it. People don't like being dropped in it because they want to stay in control. But God loves to drop us in it. Suddenly you meet someone, and their life's a mess, and it's going to interrupt your schedule. So what will they see? An impatient, self-centered person, or someone who is kind and willing to bless them and help them? will you show the goodness of God? The kind, well, see, it's all about understanding what you're called to do. When you're called to do it, we're always called to show how good God is. Wherever, to whoever. So that doesn't seem fair. Well, God, God, God so loved us, even when we're enemies, he sent his son to die. That's God. What did Jesus do? Well, even the people that hated him, he forgave them. He was kind to them. So what are we called to do? I mean, what pattern are you following? Oh, the world. Yeah. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Listen, that's, listen, that's not God. God is kind to people who don't deserve it. So when you're kind, you're just being like Daddy. He smiles. So that's great. I must bring some more opportunities to that one. Oh, you all got so quiet on this. It's really challenging, isn't it? eh? So Adam was required to, to guard and keep the garden. It was a territory, a place, and God had in mind something bigger. God had in mind that through them, he would invade the earth with people just like himself, and the glory of the Lord would fill the earth. God has not changed his plan. He still wants to do that. So that brings some questions to think about? Are you living like your life's an accident, or I am sent on assignment? Is there any area you have not embraced responsibility? Your life is out of control and in chaos. Or you just won't be responsible in the things we said, your personal health, your mind, your thought life, your, uh, your discipline of, of your, your physical health, your eating. Are there areas that you're not being responsible for that God says today, I want you to take ownership of that? If you're a father, you say, well, I need to deal with stuff. I need to actually step up and be responsible in the family for building the culture of God in our family. If you're a wife and mother, what is it there? Are you taking on responsibilities God gave you? Are you taking on things he never gave you? That'll burden you. He empowers what he assigns us to do, not what someone else said we should do. Once you catch this, this really makes life living much easier. Father, what do you want me to do? Father, what is my responsibility to do? Thinking about the church, what is your level of commitment, participation? How open are you for God to speak into your life through people? If anyone corrected you, would you just get offended? Or would you have a teachable heart? See, Those are the keys to becoming mature. That's part of your responsibility. What about in the community? Do you complain about how bad it is? Or are you praying for a specific sector and specific people? And as you pray, you're inviting God to come in and bring His presence, touch lives, awaken the needs. You're taking authority over the demons there, looking for the opportunity by sowing kindness for people to come and talk and open their heart to you. It's not rocket science. I sense today God is calling us afresh to embrace what it means to be on assignment from our Father. Perhaps for some, your prayer life's gone. You need to bring your prayer back into life again. You need to commit to building prayer. How can you fulfill your assignment? You won't have the power to do it or even clarity what to do if you're not praying and listening. I sense today that God is challenging each of us to embrace He has called us. Will we embrace and fulfill the assignment He's called us to in whatever form that takes. Will we pay a price to live intimate with our Father as a son or daughter? Or will we just live like the world, lurching from crisis to crisis? God wants to do a great work through this church, a new work. In the past, we have touched thousands upon thousands of people and nations all over the earth. In the days ahead, we need to renew the vision to become a church which is global through media, through all kinds of ways reaching our community and beyond. It means people saying, I am called by God. This is my house. I will build my father's house. Why don't we just stand right now? I can feel His presence here now. Feel a great presence of God here right now. When I when Isaiah looked into heaven and saw the glory of the Lord, this is what he heard. Who shall we send? Who will be our representatives? Who will demonstrate our loving kindness? Who will face the difficulties and challenges? and bring our power to bear to change it. Who will we send? He said, here am I, send me. If that's you, would you just come forward and say, God, I'm consecrating myself. This is an altar call of consecration to God's call on our life, individually and as a church. Would you come? Just come. Come. You can kneel, stand, lift your hands, bow your head, whichever, it doesn't really matter. This is about an individual decision. I embrace the call of God. I embrace my assignment. I repent where I have been irresponsible and refused my assignment. I repent where i blamed others, become offended, allowed the actions of others to take me off my course, where I've been discouraged, where I got overwhelmed by the mammoth size of the circumstances and forgot my father is with me. There's nothing impossible to him. What would you do if you truly believed you are sent by God to your family, to the community, to this church, to demonstrate the goodness of God and bring his resources to bear to help? How would that change you? Just lift our hands right now. Just begin to worship Him. If you need to repent, just do that. I believe that as we're as we're doing this right now, God's Spirit's going to come and touch people. Just make your way to the front. Make a bit more room here. People come. People wanting to respond to the Lord. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Jesus. Father, we thank you. You loved us so much you sent your son to die on the cross what love you've shown us we respond we respond to your love we present ourselves a living sacrifice holy acceptable to you now Lord we yield to the process of being conformed not to this world but changed by your word and spirit Lord, empower us today with new boldness, new confidence, new faith, new resources to fulfill your destiny. Lord, empower us to connect with others meaningfully, to raise others up who will carry the fire, carry the passion, carry the burden to save our city. Save our region, save our nation, save, save, deliver, heal, restore, build. Lord, today anoint us to become restorers.